Well, good morning, everyone. So glad to see you on September long weekend. Great to be here with you all. Everybody ready to rock and roll? I say it every Sunday. At some point, I'm waiting for somebody to just bust out an air guitar. Yeah, let's, let's do this thing. But if you got your Bibles, just put them on your lap, and we're going to get started. And we're going to open up to a few different places today, and I'm excited for what the Lord wants to share to us, share with us, and I know God's got a word for you today. You believe that? And again, I want to just kind of bring everybody up to speed a little bit, because sometimes I kind of think, well, everybody's, you know, thinking about this throughout the week, right? Yeah, right. You're, you're prayerfully, you know, thinking and meditating on the scriptures and verses we've been going through, line by line, verse by verse, correct? Cricket, cricket. Okay. Well, today's the day. Let's get into this. All right. And we're just so thankful. Aren't you glad that we got the mighty spirit of God who lives on the inside of us? He teaches us. And I'm so thankful that we're not, you're not limited to what I know or don't know. That you have the teacher himself who is able to bring a word, bring a thought to you that I wouldn't even have to say. That it just came to you by the spirit of God. Aren't you so thankful for him? Let's just take a moment. Let's acknowledge him in this place. Give him his full access and so that he's able to do what he wants to do, which is obviously changing people's lives from the inside out. So, Father, again, we just come before you this morning. Lord, thank you so much for everything that has taken place, everything that you've done. Lord, we just love you from the bottom of our hearts. Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, you gave your life for us, and it's still impacting and changing lives today. The gospel, the good news, this jumping up and down good news of what you've done, that it's already a done deal. We thank you the gospel is the power of God, and it's at work today in Canada. We thank you that the gospel continues to go forward throughout our nation, throughout our province, throughout our cities in this nation. Lord, we give you all the praise for that. Lord, we thank you for churches just like this that are across the world, but specifically across our nation that are standing boldly to proclaim your word in the midst of a world where there is darkness and that darkness continues to prevail and where darkness continues to seem like a big deal. Lord, we thank you that your light shines and the darkness can never penetrate it. We thank you for it, Lord, and we thank you just for churches to be strong to be bold, to be courageous in these days, to continue not just to fight for the sake of fighting, but to stand for the truth of your word and to proclaim it boldly in Jesus' mighty name. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in us. We're not here abandoned. We're not here without help, but we have the helper. The very third party of the Godhead is here with us on this earth, and we thank you, Father. We have no fear because you're with us today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's jump into this. Again, I want to just remind you and I, again, what the Lord said to us. Regardless of what's happening in the external world, what the Lord is telling you and I and what he's been speaking to us now for actually one year today. It's been a year. He's been telling us, and I'm going to continue to say it, but we are to expect. Get our expectations up. Right? It's important for us as a church family to get your expectation way up. With God, you can get your hopes as high as they can possibly go. Why? Because God never disappoints. Get our expectation up. What are you expecting today? What are you expecting God to do Right in your own personal life? I know I got expectations in me. I got expectations in my family, but also for us as a church family. I'm getting my expectation way up, getting my thoughts way up, because this is supposed to be and going to be a glory center where God is able to pour out, God is able to do what he wants to do because he's got willing vessels all scattered throughout this building. Up here, downstairs, it's just a massive, what do you want to do, God? And God's just able to pour through and do what he wants to do. I believe that. You're with me on that. Awesome. We expect, and part of the expectation is now we also get ready for that expectation to take place. We prepare our hearts. We get our hearts ready. We get our hearts established. Okay, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want to do? Why? So that we're able to see it and actually harbor in what God wants to do. Right? We got to get a big harbor. You know where those big ships come in? Man, we just got to get, how big can we get? I want to expand on the inside so God is continually able to bring a vision, bring his thought, bring his direction to me on the inside. And then he said to also create an environment for him where he can actually move and that we can encounter him. You know, God doesn't just show up just, you know, once in a while. He wants to regularly show up, but it's also dependent upon you and I. Just like rain requires gravity to fall from the clouds, well, the presence of God in the same way. It needs gravity or in this way, an expectation of faith. God, we want you here. We want what you do here. And listen, it's good, and he needs that. It's required for us as well. And so we're just getting, again, our expectation and an environment for him to move. And again, on the inside. So we've been really spending some time over this summer just talking about getting ready. Anybody enjoy getting ready? 
man, I'm, I've been doing it for myself, even personally. Lord, get me ready, get me ready. And there's been some things that hurt so good. But at the same time, it's all getting myself ready. I'm expanding. I'm enlarging on the inside because I want him. Anybody else want him? I don't know what else we'd be doing here then, but I want him. This is what this church needs. This is what Canada needs. It's what our, our nation, again, our province needs. It's him. <laughs> we don't need more rules. We don't need more stuff that's being talked out out there. We need him. And that's why we continue again to give him access. Because listen, what does our government need? Him. Him. Come on, say it with me. Him. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Oh, man. So, and how are we getting ready? Again, for the church, this is part of it. Because, again, anytime God wants to move in a nation, anytime God wants to move through any form of realm out in the external, he's going to do it through his church. Now, again, don't just think of these four walls. Don't just think of the building. Think of you. You are the church. You are the church, and God is going to send you out. He's going to release you and tell you and I to what to do, what not to do, how to respond, how to speak, how to act. God is giving that to you and I, but he's going to use his church. Now, we've been getting ready, and specifically, again, in our hearts. And what are we doing is that we're positioning our hearts in such a way that God has complete access to us. Can you just say that with access? We need access. He needs access. Again, for you and I, even to get into this room, per se, we needed access. And what's the access? Was these doors that are all here, right? Tons of doors in this. What is it all to do? To give access to this room. Well, the same way, in order to, for God to have access in our lives, where's the access point? It's our heart. It's nothing on the outside. It's not my soul. It's not just in my brain. It starts and it begins on the inside. And when it takes place on the inside, it transforms my thinking so that my thinking now changes the way that I live. So again, it's not from outside to the inside. It's inside, outside. It's not behavior modification that's going to turn God on to you. It's an inside willingness, an inside access to say, God, here I am. Here's my heart. You see that even in Revelation 3. Remember, God's knocking on the door of the heart saying, let me in. And if he opens up, I will dine with him, I will eat with him, and together we'll be with one another. He wants access. He cares so much about what's going on on the inside. That's why Jesus was such, I mean, obviously he was powerful in many ways, but one of the ways was, is he put the Pharisees in their spot, the religious leaders in their spot who focused so much on the external. Wash your hands, wash your hands. How many of you washed your hands a lot this year? Dear Lord, my hands are dry from washing my hands. I'm done washing my hands. I'm just, just kidding. Don't worry, just totally kidding. But it's just all so focused on the external. Wash, take care, clean, cleanliness on the outside. And yeah, that's great, but if there's something wrong on the inside... What good is it taking care of the outside? So Jesus would call them stuff such as you hypocrites, you brought of snakes, and it would just go on and on. Why? Because the focus, again, was so external. When the Lord says, I look at what? The heart. I'm looking at the heart. I'm interested in the heart. Where is he looking even today? At our hearts. Does he have access to these things? Now, again, so the Lord, he's a gentle surgeon, and if we would give him access by his word, Remember 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17 talks about the word of God, right? God uses his word, right, to teach us, to show us what is right, to reveal what may be wrong in our lives. And then 2 Timothy 3, 17 says that God uses his word to equip you and I, his people, to carry out and do every good work. So what's the access point now if I'm going to have this access? Okay, God, I'm giving you access to my life. Where is it? It's my heart. But now the word is going to get access to me. His word's going to be able to teach me. His word, does his word, is his word able to tell you what to do? That's a good place to be. And then secondly now, also his Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 13 even brings this out that, hey, if you, you know, get rid of all these evil things that may be lurking in our bodies, but you do it by the power of the Spirit. So it's not just me, okay, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to stop doing this. No, it's saying, Holy Spirit, here's my life. I want this out because I know it's offending you. It's not something that you like in my life. I give you access to root out what's going on on the inside of me. And so it's not just me trying to be better, be nicer. It's God, here's my heart, here's my life through the word and now through the spirit. Lord, get it out of me. Come on, say it with me, get it out. Anything in me, I, I want out. If there's any clogs, any blockages in our relationship, God, I want it out. Anybody else want that out? Man, I want it out. Why? So that he can have full access to me. Okay, now, again, just a reminder that everything God does 
is from the inside out. Everything. Think about that. Everything. He speaks where? The inside. He directs where? The inside. He's going to reveal what he's, what he's doing, what he has done. Where? On the inside. And so this is why the Apostle Paul, well, the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul prayed this prayer. And I want to just give you again these three verses, but we got to see it. Because I think, church, we spend so much time looking at natural things, looking at what's taking out on there. And it's trash, it's garbage, it's crazy out there. But if that becomes your only picture that you see, then we're missing out what God has already done. And then what happens is we become just part of the noise that's out there. Listen, we don't need to be louder. We actually need to be strategic in a move. And the way that we do that is, okay, God, what's the picture? What do you see happening? What do you see taking place? Man, I was just reading this with my kids last night before we went to bed. We were just actually looking at the story of Joshua again as they entered the promised land. And what was the problem? You got Jericho, the first city to take over, this massive thing standing in front of you. Okay, what do we do? Well, right away, they got their swords and spears. Let's go attack. God says, no, 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 that's not the way we're going to do it. Oh, what? We're going to fight him. We're going to kill him. You're going to help us. That's not the way I'm going to do it. What are we going to do? I want you to march around that city for six days, one time. Don't say a word. So just picture this for a moment. Hey, your sandals are there. Shut up. Don't say anything. Now, on the seventh day, God says, now I want you to march around it seven times. And at the end of the seventh time, I want you to lift up a mighty shout. And what happened? The walls came tumbling down. But if you think about it, that was God's way. So what did the Israelites need? They needed a different picture. Because, again, our, our, our fight is not with flesh and blood. Our fight is not with natural carnal things. So what do we need? We need to now get a picture from heaven. God, what are you doing? Because even though, yes, it's getting stupider out there, listen, it's going to get stupider and stupider and stupider. There's no question about that. But guess what? The good news is the church gets brighter, brighter, brighter. So the, look, the church starts looking like, hey, there's actually some common sense in that place. So even though it looks trashy out there, but listen, this is a huge beacon of light that God's able to use to say, hey, get the gospel out there because, man, it ain't making no sense. So Ephesians chapter 1, this is our prayer again for the church. Look at this, verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, what are we asking? More than I want anything external, more than any natural thing, this is what I want. I want you to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In the knowledge of you. I want to know you. Verse 18, he says, the eyes, notice what he's saying, the eyes of what? Understanding of the translations bring out the eyes of my heart. The eyes of my heart being what? Enlightened. Come on, say it with me, enlightened. They need the light to shine on it. So why? I can see. Because what's God telling you and I? We need to see, not just with these eyes, he wants us to see on the inside. And why do I need to see on the inside? Again, three things that the apostle really brings out here. Number one is this, uh, that I may know the hope of my calling. What am I on this earth to do? What do you want me to do? How do I do it? That's the first thing. And what do I need? I need don't just things externally to happen. I need to see it on the inside. Because when I see it, I own it. It's mine. This is what he called me to do. Oh, you can't do that. Do you know what kind of family you came from? Do you know who your, do you know who your parents are? Do you know what your sibling? Do you know da, 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 And they just go down the line and try to disqualify you from your call externally. But no, no. When you see the picture God gave you, you own it. The Apostle Paul said, hey, he was, he was known for killing Christians. That's what he did. He was a terrorist in our day. Yet he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he says, the Lord called him to preach to the Gentiles. He said, I never went to flesh and blood again to, to, to find out from them if this was okay. I just did what God told me to do because he got it on the inside. This is why we need a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him to see it. Number one, what am I called to do? Secondly, why do I need to see it on the inside, the eyes of my heart enlightened? That the riches of the glory of his inheritance that he's put in me. Again, this is huge for us. What does this all mean? The inheritance. Come on, say it with me. Inheritance. Anybody enjoying a good inheritance? I'm sure some of you do. Good inheritance. But how much more your heavenly father, there's an inheritance that he's already put in you because Jesus died. That's when inheritance takes place, right? The transfer can happen. But not only that, then he rose from the dead. And now he's making sure that the inheritance that he died for, you get it. 
And what did he come to give you? Look, and you can go through the scriptures, every in him verse, every by Christ, in Christ, through Christ, all of those verses that you find, they are now the inheritance that you've now belongs to you. And what do you need in order to, to see it? The eyes of my heart being enlightened. So rather than, oh God, I need, I need, I need, find out what he's already given you, and now you release it from the inside out. I'm not looking, God, I just need to be blessed, I just need to be blessed. He already said, Ephesians 1 verse 3, he says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly place. You already are blessed. You're not giving to get blessed. You're giving because you are blessed. It's a totally different mindset. And he says, you need eyes of your heart to see that. Because these eyes will tell you, well, I don't got enough in the bank. I'm not blessed. But you need to see it on the inside. Then lastly, verse 19, and he says, now only this, you also need to see with the eyes of your heart the exceeding greatness of his power that is toward me, or other translations say that's in me because I'm a believer. How many of you believe in Jesus? Meaning he died, he rose again, he's now seated in glory at the right hand of the Father. You believe that, guess what? Because you believe that same power, the exceeding greatness of that power is now mightily working on the inside of me. And verse 20 says, this is the same power. He worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So what is needed to experience and see all of this? The eyes of my heart being flooded with light. My heart. Come on, say it with me. My heart. So it's again, I'm not looking for external. I'm not looking for, you know, a nice atmosphere and a tingling atmosphere. I'm getting enlightened on the inside. Oh my goodness, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. Woo! I now become a distribution center of that power everywhere I go. I don't need a worship band to follow me and all of a sudden come start singing so I can feel it. No, it's there. It's already there. Why? Because I, I know it because I've seen it. It changes everything. Now, again, this is the focus because, again, what's happening in the natural world cannot and will not ever change the word of God. So you and I, we've got to get the picture of what God is doing in these last days. We are expanding and opening up our hearts on the inside so that we can see what God is doing in these last days. Because it says that the last days will be greater than the first days. Does the scriptures not say that? The latter rain will be greater than the what? The former rain. I mean, we're living in the latter rain times. So it ought to be in greater scale. So what do we need to see? Well, I don't see that. You hear the words? I don't. What are you looking at? You're looking at the outside. What are we living by? We live by faith, what the word says, not by what I see. Because, there, listen, the times that we are going into further and further, the further we get to the end of these days, it's going to look more and more opposite to this. It is getting so far away from this. So this is the call for the churches, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. The world will say, you're nuts. We say, no, you are. Stick with it. Stick with it. Stick with it. Why? Because this is true. This is real, and it will never, ever, ever change. No matter what comes in power, no matter who comes in power, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. Come on, y'all. All right. Whew. That's what I'm talking about. Anybody sweating up a storm yet in here? Huh. Okay. And this is why, Proverbs 23, let me just give you, the Lord had to remind me of this today, because again, you know, what we talked about last week, I was like, Lord, it kind of seemed a bit weird for me to talk about, you know, the second, the, the parable of the seed and the sower, to kind of miss the first one, go to the second one, not even realizing, hey, there's going to be something, the potential for offense is going to come this week, and it did me real good, anybody else in here? Woo, man, the enemy was putting that heat on, I started listening to a bit of that little thing about what's taking place in Alberta, and I went... What's an opportunity? First, I have to put my flesh under. Tell my flesh, it's just a man. It's just a bunch of people. It's just a bunch of crazies. Lord, help me. Anybody ever said those words? Help me. Help them. Help them, Lord. No, no, no. Help me. I need help. Now I get it. And so right here, the Lord had to just bring me back, and I've shared this verse over this year quite a lot. <laughs> Let me just bring this verse to you again one more time, because again, nothing can stop our God. 
You know what they do? This is what we're seeing kind of right now in this time. What I believe is Psalm chapter 2 is that people are setting themselves up in positions of power against the Lord and his Christ. They're, they're putting themselves in these positions. That ain't the case. Okay, so God, and what happens, you read the rest of Psalm 2. It says God sits in the heavens. <laughs> so he goes, you think you're going to stop me? <laughs> you think you're going to stop me? What am I going to do with the church? Ah, you're kidding. He just starts laughing at it. Why? And so we as a church have to get that same picture. Psalm, or Proverbs 23, 17. I don't know if I put that for us today. Maybe not. But listen to this again in the Passion Bible. It says, don't allow... So again, we're talking about our hearts. I'm the guard to my heart. Come on, say it with me. I'm the guard. The Lord really emphasized that to me this week too. I'm the guard. Nobody else is the guard. My wife's not the guard. My parents aren't the guard. My, you know, wonderful, co- you know, Julian's not my guard. I wish he was, but he's not. <laughs> I'm the guard to my heart. You're the guard to your heart. And so they're saying right here, don't allow. That just, that's heart talk to me 101. Don't allow it. So don't allow what? What's going on on the inside? I'm not going to allow something to enter in. Don't allow the actions of evil men to cause you to burn with anger. So what does that mean? The temptation to burn with anger is there. And sadly, I've fallen into it a couple times. But what happened, what do I do? Instead, rather than getting my eyes fixed on them and what's happening, it's creating a picture on the inside. It's creating thoughts. It's creating everything. It starts on the inside. Because what the enemy wants to do, remember that what last week, the sun comes out and it scorches the seed. The heat comes on the seed. What's it trying to do? It's trying to cause division between what you heard in the word and what you're seeing causing you to get offended by the word. God, where are you in this situation? Hey, hey he hadn't left. He's not leaving. You stick with it. Abide in the vine. Don't allow anything to separate you and I from the word. So what happened? This pressure comes on. The LV's intensity come on. Causing, trying to cause division between you and the life source. So he's saying, don't allow the actions of evil men to cause you to burn with anger. So, okay, well, rather than burning with anger, what do I do? Instead, I'm going to burn with unrelenting passion as I worship God in holy awe. So what is it? I'm getting my eyes off of what is seen, and I get my eyes onto as far as the east is from the west. That's how far you are removed transgressions. Lord, I've blessed the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is within me. I'm going to bless your holy name. Jesus, you are Lord. That's our message. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? He's all powerful. (laughs) And guess where he lives? On the inside of his church. So what happens when you start thinking that way, all of a sudden that anger that you had towards a certain people group, towards a certain party, whatever government thing, they're really not your issue. They're really not. So instead of looking at them, I look up and go, oh, man, I get impressed looking up. Because again, out here, you get depressed. (laughs) So if I look up, everything is okay. Jesus, you're good. Okay, changes things. Now. Again, my heart is my responsibility. Look, at, look again at Proverbs chapter 4, 20 through 22. Anybody memorize these verses yet? Awesome. One. Next. Two. Can I get a three? Anybody? Three. Kind of. Okay. Number three is this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Right? This is God again talking to his children. In reality, this is Solomon speaking to his son. And again, how much wisdom is in the book of Proverbs? There's wisdom for finances, wisdom for relationships, wisdom for legal things. You find that there's so much in, a, in on this, and yet we're going to find out the most important thing, and you're going to find it here in verse 23. But above all of these things, he's saying, look at these things right here. He says, turn your ears. Again, so what does that mean? I'm going to have to intentionally turn my ear away from CNN and towards heaven's broadcast away from just what fox is shouting about and i go i twist it okay what is heaven talking about i kind of just picture jesus jesus behind a broadcast desk and just news coming in from heaven angels are being sent to canada if you just start to think a little differently rather than just cnn constant negative news right it doesn't change it's constantly negative so they are good in that way it's you're going to get the same thing 
right? But again, any kind of natural news will always show the demeaning side. But again, we've turned our ears to what he has to say. We're going to get a different picture. Verse 21, he says, do not let them, his words, out of my sight. Now again, keep them in. Keep them in. So what's the temptation? Something's going to want to draw it out. I got to keep them in my heart. Verse 22, why? Because they are life to those who find them. Life. Say it with me, life. life. Life isn't what happens out here. Life to those who find it in the word. Life to those who find them. And what else? Healing and health to their entire flesh. Or this translation says their whole body. Then he says, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. For every th- this, I'm saying it the way that I teach my kids. <laughs> above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything. Say with me, everything. Everything I do flows from where? My heart. So my heart, your heart is worth guarding. My heart is worth exposing to the Lord, giving him access to it and being very careful who's got say and who's got access to my heart. Because if we squeeze some people, which this past week was a great opportunity, you squeeze people, what do you find out? You find out what they've been listening to. You squeeze them and you go, I hate Trudeau. Hater party, a hater government, squeak, 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 and they just talk, 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 So you find out what's been going on through the eye gate, what's been going on in the ear gate, right? It's not, it's not judging anything. You can just really find out what's in somebody of what they're watching, what they're listening to. When they get squeezed and that sun comes in and starts burning on that seed, and what happens? They start talking it out. You find out what's actually going on on the inside. And if we sound like CNN, we sound like Fox, we sound like whatever news thing that's out there, we sound like what Facebook is putting out there, that means that something got out. And that can't happen for us. We've got to be disciplined to make sure, hold on, I'm in control of my heart. So if I'm just burning with this relentless anger on the inside towards somebody or a political party, oh, i got to make some changes here. Right? Okay. Now again, I'm not saying to... We don't make a stand for it. I'm not saying any of that stuff. You do what God tells you to do. But in doing all that, it's not, I'm not going to do it with this anger. Anger changes nothing. Now, since God looks at his heart, at my heart, at your heart, what is he looking for? And this is what I've really been wanting. God, this is for us as a church family. Lord, what, do you, what are you looking for inside of this heart? If you are, with your eyes this morning, are looking down on us, What are you looking for? And the first thing we talked about was a willingness, a willing heart. A willing heart is an open heart, willing to him. And this is one of the verses that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. But it says this, that if I, if what I do is not done willingly, it's not acceptable. Huh. Can I read that one more time? If what I do is not done with a willingness, it's not acceptable. And then we know Isaiah 119, it says that if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the what? The good of the land. So God's will, we can say God's will is for, the, for you to eat the good of the land. And people can rejoice and go, yeah, he wants me to have the best. Praise God. Yeah, That's true. That's true. But look at what came before that. If you be willing and obedient. It didn't just say obedient. Has anybody ever just been obedient? Fine, I'll do it. And what God, whoa, 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 I'm not interested in that. I'm looking for a willingness. Again, anybody ever have kids that do that? Fine, I'll take out the trash. (laughs) Excuse me. Come back here. You're going to be thankful that you have trash to bring out. All of that is filled with garbage of food that I bought for you. You're welcome. Anybody? I'm sure that I, you know, I had to do this. I think that's what I'm talking about. Yes, you are. You are so welcome. That banana peel right there? Yeah. Cost me probably 28 cents. You are welcome. What are we looking for? A willingness. Well, the same way with God. Anything that we give, anything that we offer him, it has to be done with a willingness. And the moment that my willingness stops, he's not able to move forward in my life. So willingness is huge. Huge. Second thing that we talked about last week was that a heart that is not easily offended. The way that God looks at shallow, he says, you know, we kind of have an idea, naturally speaking. What's a shallow person? You would list off, well, you know, they think real naturally. They look at this or they look at that and go, I don't want to be around them. Very shallow. Well, the way that the Lord looks at a shallow person is someone who is easily offended. Then on the other hand, 
What's a deep person in the eyes of God is someone that no matter what the circumstance, no matter how much pressure is coming on, rather than reacting or responding to what they're being said out here, their first response is, he loves me. He loves me, he loves me, he loves me. No matter what accusations come against you, no matter what's being said about you, my depth is all, my roots are, I should say, the depth of my roots is connected in how much I am loved by God. I don't need anything external. I don't need, like, you know, this is Luke chapter uh, 8, verses, I think, 6, where it says one of the reasons why this seed was choked from the hot sun is because it lacked moisture. Right? And what happens is we look, again, the world, there's so much, and, you know, the way that our culture is, people are wanting to be moisted <laughs> on. Is that a word? <laughs> probably. Google, it's probably a word. They want the affirmation. They want, tell me how good I am. Tell me, like my photo, like my media put outs, like what I'm doing. Notice me. Don't you see me? Here I am. Here I am. Come affirm what I do. And when I don't get the like, I get disappointed. And what happens eventually, you see that Jeremiah 17, they will be like a shrunted shrub and they won't see when prosperity or goodness comes. Why? It's because they're looking from the external to get moist. Whereas the people that trust the Lord, their roots grow down deep, and they are planted by a river way over here. It's our secret dwelling spot where I got a whole lake right here. I'm not dependent on anything external. Why? Because my root is over here and how loved I am by God. So if you don't tell me how cute I look today, I'm okay. I'll be fine. I did my best. If I don't get it, I don't know if I'm coming back next week shallow right but you'd be amazed you didn't say hi to me sorry hi hi how are you shallow shallow and in fact if nobody ever said hi to me i'm okay why because he loves me that's my root they're just not listening to me shallow so what do we do? We have got to see where our roots are. And my root is determining, hey, I can't find happiness in somebody else's brain. So what do I do? My root's got to go somewhere else. It has to go into the source, the one, the living God who will never change. And he loves me so much, he gave me Jesus. I'm his favorite. You can say the same thing about yourself too. All right, continuing on now. That was real popular. Now, look at this in Luke chapter 8, verse 15. Again, talking about what is God looking for in a heart. Luke 8, 15 really brings out what a good heart is. So I'm going to just kind of skip down because one of the keys in knowing this, becoming good ground, is knowing what's in the bad ground and eliminating that. So the good ground that Jesus explained in the parable of the seed and the sower, and Luke's account is this, the seeds that fell on good soil, now notice this, they, it represents something, represents honest Say it with me, honest. So what is a good heart? It's an honest heart. Honest. Secondly, good heart of people who hear God's word. Notice this next kind of verb. They cling. They cling to the word. And then they patiently produce a harvest. So three words that really stand out here to me is number one is honest. Number two is they cling to it. Like I just picture a kid. My, I mean, my daughter is really in this clingy. I, I love it. I never want it to go away. But first thing in the morning, last thing before bed, all throughout the day, she runs to my leg and holds on to it. And I got to walk around with her on my leg. So my right leg, I tell you, I got some quads, man. These things look solid because got, so I got a clinger on. Well, it's the same way. This is what good ground looks like. Someone who is honest, someone who clings or latches onto the word and refuses to let go no matter what comes its way. They cling to the word, and notice this, and they patiently produce. Or in other words, they're patient. They're not, oh God, I've been praying and standing. I don't see anything yet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Patience. You stick with it. Patience doesn't just mean, oh, i got to wait. No, it means that you are actively engaged, saying, no, I continue to stand, continue to believe the same things, regardless of what happens externally. So this is good ground right here, right? So now, if this is the case, what now? We're going to look at one of these things, and the cling to it part, we're going to just go a little bit further in. Now, I want you to go back to Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 13. And let's look at these verses again, because this parable is huge. Jesus said, if you don't understand this one, you won't understand all of, any of them. 
So this right here, Jesus is giving us the keys to how the kingdom of God operates. So this isn't just, a, oh, I've heard that. Oh, yay, seed, so, you know, going to the ground. Yeah, I've heard all that. No, no, no. This will never change. In a million years from now, we'll probably be sitting in a message from Jesus, and he'll title it, The Seed and the Sower. It won't change. This is God's method of operation. Seed, time, harvest. This is how he does things. So if we try to microwave this situation, we'll be frustrated. If we try to speed up the, the situation, we'll be frustrated. Why? Because God is seed, time, harvest. I'm just wanting my miracle and I want it now. Yes, God does miraculous things. He absolutely does. And the reason why he does it is to change things quickly to get things back on proper track. That's, it's an intervention from the divine to come in and to switch what's wrong in the natural to put it in a proper place so that now, hey, we can get back on with seed, time, and harvest. So thank God for miracles. I believe them. I expect them to take place. But that's not the primary way that God operates. You, you okay? Okay. Now look at this. Matthew 13. Verse 1, it says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and ta taught as the people stood on the shore. I really want to get you this idea. Jesus is a teacher. He's also a preacher. This is what he is. Sometimes people kind of think of him just kind of walking through this life, and he's just this holy guy that just, bless you. And, oh, I'm healed. Touch my cloak and you'll be well touch. Oh, yeah, everything's good. He's a teacher. He stands on a, and he'll teach from a boat and say, let me explain to you how the kingdom works. God, just tell me the answer. I will, but listen to this. God, can't you just point out the answers? See, no, no, no. I'm going to teach you. Why? So that you get it. <laughs> this is how he is. Now, verse three, it says he told him many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. He says, listen, we say it with me, listen, Listen, teachers got to teach, yo. That's what teachers do. Shut up and listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them, uh, as, he, as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and soon... They didn't have deep roots, therefore it died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen to understand. Now, if again, reading through this thing, you can kind of look at it and go, okay, three times the seed was scattered or the seed was planted it did not work if you stop there and there was no verse 8 to explain a good soil you could potentially look at the seed and say maybe there's something wrong with the seed because i've planted it three times and up to that point zero for three and in baseball terms is you stink you strike out three times in slow pitch there's something wrong with your swing or maybe just take up drawing <laughs> zero for three it ain't working so you could potentially look at that and go okay there's something wrong with this seed the word doesn't work i tried it and it didn't work and here's the biggest misconception or the biggest lie that was thrown to the body of christ well god's just sovereign he'll do whatever he wants to do that is a cop-out for saying why it doesn't work in my life Oh, God's just sovereign. You know, I, I, I listen to the word. I, you know, I, I, I put it in my ears, and I, I've been studying it and reading it, and it just never happened. Well, we know God is sovereign. Whenever he wants to do it, that's baloney. That is a cop-out, and that's not the way that Jesus would ever interpret that. If it's not working, what do we do? We have to go and ask him, say, Jesus, why isn't it working? And let him teach you as to why it's not. Because there's always a reason. And we know this. Is the seed ever the problem? Talking the word of God? It's never the problem. So if I can't look at the seed and go, well, the seed don't work, that's not the issue, then where do I need to look? I actually need to look at the soil that the seed was being scattered on. And it talks about th four different types of soil. And if it didn't work on the three, I could stop and go, well, it's not working. But the fourth one is there. The good soil is there, and it produced 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as what had been sown. So clearly, there's nothing wrong with the seed. 
And in fact, you and I, we are born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of a what? Incorruptible, Peter tells us. An incorruptible seed. What is an incorruptible seed? A seed that is not opened up to decay. It can't be relinquished. It cannot die. It cannot be put out. This seed, you know, 1 John chapter 3 even tells us that you and I, God's seed is in us. If you really stop, thought, think about that for a moment. His seed is in me. If you've been accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it says this, that the outer man, the natural seed that you were born with, do I need to do biology? We understand that. We got seed and an egg. They make up and they have, there's a baby. Ta-da, and here you are. But that seed is open to decay. Because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that every day this outer man, what's it doing? It's perishing. You can doll it up. You can dress it up, change the hair color, tuck it, nip it, snip it. You can do all of these things to it to make it look like, hey, I'm all that in a bag of chips. But the reality is it's dying daily. And it's a multi-billion dollar place to try to fix the outer man. That's great. You want to nip, tuck, do whatever you want to do with it. But the bottom line to all this is, I see some of you just like, oh, I look pretty good. Yeah, you, you look great. You look great. But it's dying. And if the sooner we come to grips with that, we'll be okay. It's all got to go. All right. Tomorrow it's going to die more. Where's the good news in all this? The good news is you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The inner man now is renewed daily. <laughs> man, if you saw my inner man, you'd go, man, that guy's a stud. Absolutely. My inner man is good looking. He's got everything that you need. He's ripped. He's jacked. He's everything. And it's where? It's on the inside. Again, people, we get so focused. Church, too, we get so focused on the external. That's not where he's looking. That's not where he's fixing and changing things. It's on the inside. Because why? The inner man is renewed every single day. Now, how did I get off on that? Well, you'll figure it out. But up to this point, we see the three things that are taking place in every one of these grounds. Is that the word is being sown. They heard the word, and Satan is doing something to try to steal the word from them. Now, let's look here at Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 10 here for a moment. After Jesus shared this with the people, as he was, remember, he's on the boat, and he's sharing with the people now. His disciples come to him in verse 10, and they say, why do you use parables? Like, why farm? Why this seed? Why this ground? Why, why are you explaining all of this? We don't get it. Verse 11, Jesus says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Can I really want us to gather this here before we jump in off on this, because this is big for you and I to understand. Matthew 13, verse 12 is huge, because a lot of times is that people are not used to this concept of God. Okay? Ready? Verse, verse 12. If you guys can find it with me. Matthew 13, verse 12. It says, To those who listen... To my teaching, more understanding. You're going to hear this word understanding a lot this morning. Can you say that word with me? Understanding. Understanding. Okay. And I'm in the New Living Translation. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding. Understanding about what? Understanding about God's kingdom and his ways. If you want to understand how the kingdom of God works, you have to hear how the kingdom of God works. Because it's totally contrary to the natural world that you and I were born into. When you come into this world, it already came. There's already a culture here. There's already a way of operating. There's already a way of doing things. There's already a behaving. There's already of doing things with your money, things with your body, things to do with your mind. You already come in and it already comes in with a certain ways of doing things. So when you get born again, you have to now relearn how to live. People go to school to get educated wrong. There's plenty of schools out there, and I'm not talking about, you know, political stuff. I'm just talking about life in general. We just, we go into the school. This is what we've learned. Oh, I guess that's just the way it is. I got to figure this whole thing out and hope that everything just pans out, and I get a good life. That's, that's great, but that's ultimately not how the kingdom of God works. So you and I have got to now relearn. We've got to get brainwashed by the word of God again to find out how God designed this life to live. Because if I just stay stuck in the routine and the cycles of this world system, I'm going to just stay stuck and receive the, what the world has to offer regularly. It's just a cycle. Can we see that now? It's just like this. 
over and over and over. I think this way. I speak this way. I do this thing. Same result. Well, hey, I'm going to, something's not working. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to move to, you know, Europe somewhere where things are better and they got nicer coffee shops. Okay. But the problem is, is that you take you wherever you go. <laughs> I just need a holiday. I got to get away from all of this. Great. But guess what? You take you. And a lot of times, what's the biggest problem? It's the cycle that we're living in. When we flip that flow, change that flow, and allow God's way of thinking to now dominate our way of thinking, we get different results. So this is what he's saying. He said, if you listen to my teaching, to understand it, more will be given. And he not only says, they will have an abundance of knowledge. This is good. Woo, rock on. But he says, but for those who are not listening, not even taking the time to hear how the kingdom of God operates, to take time to actually incline your ear, tune your ear to what he's saying, even what little understanding they have, notice what's going to happen. It's going to be taken away. Why? Because you're not listening to understand. He ain't going to give it to you. Now, people don't like this verse because it kind of sounds like God's a little bit harsh. He's not, but he will not. We said this so many times. He will not cast his pearls before swine, not calling you swine. He's saying, I'm not going to give what's precious and give it to the dogs. It's too precious. This is a precious thing that I got here. My word is precious. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. My words will not. So if you're not going to look at it and treat it with the utmost respect, guess what? You ain't going to get it. Does that make sense? It's, it's really, it comes down to even a boundaries thing. If you just keep giving your best to somebody who wants nothing to do with it, why are you doing it? Well, one day they'll change. No, they won't. It's not on you to change them. My job is to retain, protect what's precious to me. This is my, this is what I have to give. This is why marriage is so crucial. This is what's precious to me. That's why sex is such a big deal. This is what's so precious to me. This is my body. I give it to you, wife. This belongs to you, husband. It's, it's, it's meant for that. It's precious. Well, the word of God, how much more now is the word of God? Okay, now look at this verse 13. That is why I use these parables. Now listen to this. They look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or they don't understand. Now, again, I'm going to clarify this, this word understand here in a moment because it doesn't just mean I can't figure it out. It's more than that. Verse 14, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah when he says this, when you hear what I say, and yeah, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. So what's, what's he saying? Now I'll just kind of throw this back to my childhood days. Does anybody remember those pictures? They kind of look like the, remember the TVs that held all the squigglies, right? And you're kind of waiting for the TV to kind of warm up or pop up and the channel was wrong or whatever. Well, remember that they actually, it's not that, but remember the books that they used to have and hidden behind like that, I used to think there were a bunch of zebras running across the screen. Behind that, sometimes they would have an image, right? And sometimes it was a rocket or a pony or, oh, it's a unicorn, now, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stare at that image long enough, get it deep down until you actually see beyond the squiggles and you can see a design. And all of a sudden, you're staring at it. You're looking so hard at it. Somebody walks by. Oh, it's a unicorn. Ha! How did you do? How does this? How do you do that? Well, it's the same way what Jesus is saying. He's saying, they see me, but they don't see me. They hear me, but they don't actually hear me. And then, so what's the problem here? What's actually wrong? Verse 15 is right here. It gives the explanation. Jesus lays it all out. He says, the hearts of these people are hardened. Why can't I see Jesus? Why can't I hear him? Hearts are hardened. And it says, their ears cannot hear. And they have closed their eyes. He says, their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So right away, this shows me right here, their hearts cannot understand. This right here describes what this is all about. You and I will never comprehend God with our natural mind. He's not supposed to be grasped with the mind. He's not a mind. I can understand him and learn him in my heart. So that's where faith comes from. Lord, I, I don't get this in my mind. It makes zero sense on the external. Healing makes no sense. The giving, the prosperity, the joy, the peace of God makes no sense to me. I don't get it. It's not supposed to be grasped here. 
I'm not waiting till, oh, okay, I, I think this will work. It's grasp with the heart. There are things that I don't understand with my brain. So what do I do? I wrap my heart around it and say, Lord, I believe this with all my heart. I absolutely 100% believe this. And what will happen, your mind will eventually kick in and go, oh, I see it. That's called revelation knowledge. But hang in there. Stick with it. Don't let it go because it doesn't make sense to the carnal brain. It's not supposed to. God's word was never designed so that your natural brain will go, oh, I get it. God's kingdom is completely backwards. And as long as we continue to talk and think things through, naturally speaking, we'll be drifting further and further away from the truth of what it actually says. I have lots to say on that, but I'm going to leave that right there. <laughs> but this is where even healing is grasped. I can't figure out healing from a natural sense. It's not there. I just need to be healed externally. Yeah, I understand that. That's where healing takes place. But where is it grasped and understood? It's understood in the heart. That's how all the things of God operate by. And as long, again, I'm not going to go into this, but this is another reason why that two different people can come to the same service, listen to the same music, hear the same message, and one be completely excited, and the other go, are we done yet? This is lame, man. What's happening? What's the difference? The condition of the heart is revealing what's going on. And the one that just does his due diligence, I did my church thing, God, like, why aren't you answering my prayers? It's not about just doing the, you know, the play-by-play, doing the churchy things and looking good, being good. I'm going to kneel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All looks good, but there's no power in it. Why? Because your heart's not connected. What's, what's hypocrisy? Is when my heart is over here and my lips are over here. The more and more that we can close the gap between my heart and my lips, that's where, my, if, that's where hypocrisy leaves. So I want to connect my Tongue to my heart. No. Now, let's look at this, the hard ground. Are we still doing okay? I got about eight, ten minutes, and then I'll take another ten. Just kidding, just kidding. Okay. But let's look at this. Matthew 13, verse 19 now here for a moment. But we're going to address just the hard ground here. And again, when Jesus was sharing it to the people when he stood on the boat, he said it like this. He scattered the seed across his field, and some seeds fell on a footpath, And the birds came and ate them up. Verse 19 says, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom. Okay, they're hearing God's ways of operating. They're hearing what God wants to do. And it says they don't understand it. What happens? The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So now let's look at this here for a moment. What's the problem in all this? The problem is, is that the hearer doesn't understand. And that word understand doesn't mean they can't figure it out. But if you really do some study on this, that word understand really brings out three words that I want to bring to you. It means they understand the meaning, they understand the value, and they understand the nature of what's being said and who's saying it. The meaning, the nature, and the value. Let's talk about this. Number one is the meaning. The meaning of what's being said. If you can understand like God is speaking to us through his word. The meaning behind all this is God is willing to communicate. God is willing to talk to me and have fellowship with me with his word. What? God Almighty actually wants to speak to me through his word? Rock on. That's amazing. Now the next thing is now the value. Value means when you have... Uh, The word has worth to me because I know who is coming from. It's got worth. What do you do with your valuables? You you protect it. Where do you put it? Anybody got a safe in their home, right? Or maybe it's behind a gun or something like that. You you got some valuables, right? And what do you do with your valuables? Do you just kind of throw your box of gold and throw it on the front yard? And all of a sudden next morning, hey, honey, have you seen my box of gold? Like, I can't, I can't find it. And she'd say, it's gone. Why? Valuable that's left wide in the open, not protected. What happens to it? The thief comes immediately to take what's valuable. Thieves don't rob your house and look for bread. Where's that, where's that, where's that, you know, where's that sourdough bread? I'm looking for some sourdough in here. No, they're looking for the precious things. And they're not going to look just in the open cupboard. They're going to look in the nitty-gritty things, under the floorboard, you know, really, really high up on that, you know, that counter ledge that nobody can get to, not even your spouse because she's too short. All of these special things are just way up out there. What do you do with those valuable things? You protect it. 
And anything that's, not, that's valuable that is left unprotected, what happens? The thief will come immediately to take away the valuableness. Now, right here, the word of God, Jesus is saying, if, if we don't grasp the value of this word, that this word that God has given us, Jesus came, the word came, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, the word, is preaching the word to the people about the word. If we don't understand and grasp the value that is found in this word, that every seed that is in this book is precious and it's left unchecked or taken out of our heart, the enemy comes at once and steals the word. And here's the thing, you won't even know that it's gone. Because a good thief leaves no tracks at all of who did it. And it'll come through a fence, again, we talked last week, it'll come any kind of way. But it all begins, if I don't look at this word as valuable, it will not stick in. Another way of saying it, you ever heard those words, it doesn't sink in because it's not valuable to you. Okay, moving along. Let me show you this in Psalm 119. I mean, for myself, I'm just, I'm reading Psalm 119 because all of this talks about the value of the word of God to, to David. This is how precious it is. Let me just read this. I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure and I memorize them and I write them where? On my heart. How do you write something on your heart? This is kind of off for a sec. Psalm, I think, 42 talks about my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Your tongue is the, is the pen for your heart. When you start speaking it, you start relaying it, you start muttering it to yourself, what are you doing? You're writing on your heart. Lord, I love you with all my heart. Lord, I love you. I bless you. Lord, you're so good. Thank you, Father, that I'm accepted in Christ Jesus. What are you doing? You're writing on your heart. <laughs> Just to give you a graphic image. That's... That's what you're doing. He's saying, and I memorize them. Uh, I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. And I memorize them and write them on, on my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. He's putting them there. Next, verse 14, he says, I find more joy in following what you tell me to do than in chasing after all the wealth in the world. Remember, the word doesn't just doesn't oversay these things. It's not, what's that word? Um, I'm trying to prove how good I am. I'm... He's basically, David's not just trying to like overindulge. He's actually, this is for real. Rather than, you know, having a million dollars, I'd rather, Lord, I'd rather have your word in my heart. See how much value he puts in it? He says, I set my heart, where? On your word, on your precepts, and I pay close attention to all your ways. Why? Because it's valuable to me. Verse 16, my delight is found in your laws. I love your laws, and I won't forget to walk in your words. So what's he doing here? He's putting the emphasis, my value in life is the word of God. Now you and I, we set our values. We tell, you know, by our, our time, we tell by our, our, what our weeks look like. We tell by our, you know, our calendars and all those things. We prove what's valuable in our life. And you even just being here this morning shows that you have value for the word of God. Well done. Right, but how much, well, this is what he's saying, I, I care about your word. And lastly now is the nature, or I know the character in the one who's speaking to me. Now, let me just give you an example. Anybody ever have like a, you maybe had an old distant aunt or, you know, had an old distant grandmother or something like that. Or, and when they would phone you, they say, hey, you know, why don't you come on over? I got something to give you. And you reluctantly go over there because this individual, you know, great, whatever, something out there. And they're known for giving you like, here's a scarf. From, you know, 1903, and it's, you know, just come on and get it whenever you got some time. It's like, thanks, uh, I'll be there in the next 10 to 15 years. <laughs> and, anybody know, know, is this, nobody, I'm, not, I'm just I'm giving you an example. And then on the other hand, you have somebody that is known for giving good gifts. Anybody know somebody like that? And all of a sudden, they get on the phone, and they say, hey, I got something for you. So you, hold on one second, ding dong, ding dong, hey, hey, hey. How did you get here so quick? Oh, you called and you said you had something. What's the difference? I know the nature of the gift that's coming my way. I know who's giving the gift. I know the nature. I know your character. So when you call, oh, man, I'm on it. Well, how much more our Heavenly Father, when he wants to talk with us, what's the nature of this word? Because the, the one that's speaking, the one that's giving, all not only all-powerful, but ultimate love himself wants to share his word. When we view that word that way, what happens? We're proving the value, the nature, and the meaning of this word. And what happens? Satan can't steal it. 
Because again, Satan can't just come in and take the word whenever he wants. The Satan, just as much as God needs access, the enemy needs access to take away the word. He can't just take it. Come on, y'all, you got to really get this. He can't just take it. He can't just rob it from you. He can't just steal it from you. He needs access. And for this particular individual, the word was heard. Heard that before. I don't need that. I've heard, oh, I heard a message like this thousands of times. When you get to that place, the word stops working. That's a dangerous place to be. Let me just show you this from um, Luke chapter 8 and verse 12. It says, the hard pathway represents the, the hard hearts of those who hear the word, but the slanderer quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts. Now notice this, to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. So what's the enemy trying to do? He's trying to stop the belief from going out. So what does he do? He brings, I mean, obviously the troubles and all this, but he comes to snatch, he comes to steal away. Notice, from hearing, believing, and experiencing salvation. This doesn't just mean people not experiencing born again, come into the kingdom of God. But it means for you and I, as a believer, it means hearing the word of God. And it's the Greek word sozo, which means deliverance, which means prosperity, which means health, perseverance, joy, deliverance. All of those words that's wrapped up in this word sozo, it all comes the same way. Hearing, believing, receiving. And he's saying this, if we don't have the value for it, you're never going to see it. This is why people that don't, oh, we don't believe in that tongue business. Do you know what the problem is? You don't value the word. Well, it's been my experience. So you care more about your experience than you do what the word has to say. Or, well, this is what my denomination said. Okay, so my denomination now is more important. My traditions are more important. What did Jesus say in Mark 7? That the tradition of men, what does it do? Cancels out the word of God. Your traditions now is what's killing the word from actually getting access into your life. Now, for, for time's sake, I am running out of time here. But let me just finish off with this here because I, this is so important. But we need to declare a war to a casual approach or a familiarity to the word. Like declare a war on it. Oh, I've heard that before. Nope, shoot that phrase out so fast. Because what happens if somebody, all of a sudden, somebody in this church family had you on their heart and said, started waking up in the night, just started praying for you, drove over to your house, and said, man, God woke me up, and they, I, I believe this is a word for you, and they say, by his stripes, you were healed. Oh, I've heard all that before. Hold on. Hold, hold on. That comes from here. Hold on. Just check yourself. <laughs> okay. Now, right after this parable, I'm going to finish off, right after this parable, Jesus, now, you see a day in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 5. I encourage you to read chapter, you, so this is Mark chapter 4 again. It's all about the parable of the seed and the sower. They cross the lake to go to the other side. The disciples are paddling as hard as they can to get to the other side, almost die, finally get there, only to be met by a madman who is cutting himself, who's naked, who's screaming at the tombs, and that's where he lives. And Jesus casting out this demon. Now all the people say, no, we don't want you here. Get out of here. And now, okay, guys, get in the boat. We're going back over. Jesus, we finally just, we finally just got here. Do we have to? Yeah, get back in the boat. Let's go to the other side. They get to the other side. They only made a man, Jairus. Jairus is there saying, Lord, if you would come and heal my little girl, I know she will be well. Jesus goes with him. And on his way, a woman with the issue of blood touches him. For 12 years, she had been sick, could never get better, but only in fact grew worse and worse and worse and worse. She finally touched him. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? The woman said, it was me. She shares her entire story. Some people from Jairus' house come and they say, hey, no worry, they're bothering the teacher. Your daughter is dead. Don't bother him. Jesus grabs him by the coat and says, do not fear, only believe. Oh, okay, takes him to the house, throws everybody out of the funeral grabs a little girl by the hand and says, Talitha kum, which means girl, rise up. And what happens? He's alive. She's alive. This all happened within 24 hours. And he, the day before, he just preached on the hearer, the sower, sows the word. This all came from it. All of this came and transpired out of this. Can you see that? Then in Mark chapter 6, familiarity kicks in in his hometown. And what happens? Let me just show you these last six verses, then I promise I'm done. It says, Jesus left the part of the country and returned to his disciples of Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. Wait a minute, aren't you that Jesus guy? Oh, man, I know you. You built my table. You fixed a chair from here. You're not anointed. Please, please stop, please stop. 
This is, this is crazy. We know you. We went to school with you. I think Timmy played baseball with you. Stop it. You're not anointed. I know you're fat. There's no way you're anointed. And it says this. They were deeply offended, and they refused to believe in him. Jesus then told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown, uh, among his own relatives and his own family. Now look at this, verse 6, or verse 5. And because of their unbelief, what, what happened? Fine, you don't believe in me? No miracles for you. Forget it, you're not getting nothing out of me. No, he says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't. Because of their familiarity. Because of their, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah, okay, Jesus anointed. Yeah, 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 sure. A careless approach to the word of God. Just this, oh, yeah, I've heard some of that. I've heard that plenty of times. Yeah, that's a good message. You want, let's just skip. Let's just go to lunch. I've heard that before. That carelessness to the word of God, and what happens? He couldn't. That word couldn't, if you look it up even further, it means he was restrained. His hands were tied up. He couldn't do anything except to lay his hands on a few headaches. Maybe a bad back, maybe a stub toe. Heal that. And that's all he could do when, in fact, he came with power. He came with might to demonstrate the kingdom of God in his own hometown. Listen, his hometown. If anybody should have reaped any benefits, hey, yeah, Jesus, you know, you see this city of champions where Wayne Gretzky's from. Oh, yeah, 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 we take pride in that. This hometown could have been, yeah, this is where Jesus came from. This is where the Savior came from. And he couldn't do a thing there. Why? Because they're casual. Yeah, I'm good. Heard that many a time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Rabbi. You preach that? Oh, yeah, yeah, good one. Okay, good. Is it time up? Because it's really getting late here. I got I to gotta go catch a game. Crazy. And what happens because of that mindset, the word is snatched away. And here's the thing. They didn't even know what they were missing out on. Woo. And Jesus said, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Jesus went to village to village, and he continued to teach the people. Listen, that don't stop him. He's looking for an open heart to do things in. And I just continue to say that at this church. We are the most open church to you, Lord. Whatever you want to do in us, through us, we say yes. We're not, if we hear a message on healing, we'll hear it again. If we've heard a message on how good God is, we're going to hear it again. Why? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We continue to stick with it. Having done all to stand, we continue to stand. And even as the, listen, as the time gets darker and darker, what did, Tim, what did Paul tell Timothy in 2 Timothy? The world is going to get darker and more perverse. What do you do, Timothy? He says, continue in the things you have been taught. So part of our job as the church is continue to preach this same gospel. It's the power of God. Well, we just need more power. No, no, no. People need more gospel. I'm not seeing the full manifestation. Guess what you need? More gospel. God doesn't have another gospel. He doesn't have another message. God speaks son. We speak English, some French, something else, some other. We speak Dutch. We speak all these things. God speaks son. And we continue to speak that and declare that, we're going to start seeing his results. Amen? Amen. Okay. Julian, come up. Father, we thank you. We love you. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the praise for what you're doing in our lives. And Father, we thank you that we will not be and continue or just be casual in our relationship and our approach to your word. But Father, we take on this renown and this hunger for you. We give your word access into our hearts this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen, amen.